Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shatterson, captain of the Bloody Hand Mercenary Company. And, well, some would say I'm a broker, some would say I'm a thorn, some would say I'm a brand, but maybe not the best. But to those of you outside Navarre, what, what on earth did those mean? All of those names, thorn, brand, broker, are types of archetype and that's what we're going to be finding out a bit more about today now I do warn some of you this is not the most narrative of description we're going to go through all the different nations and look at all of their different archetypes and what each of those actually means because we can talk about Varushkin Wardens or and there is any Sentinel a Dornish Knight a uh, well a Navari Thorn and a League Bravo. But there's a lot more to each nation than just their highlights. So, let's begin with the Brass Coast. Domiro. And again, as Navari, I'm not going to get these pronunciations correct. If you're angry about that, find me at Anvil and uh, speak your mind. The Domiro is a member of a freeborn family who is chosen by the family itself to be their representative to the wider world, sometimes as a leader and sometimes as an emissary. A Kohan is a, uh, a more military archetype that uh, essentially they're groups of volunteers and outcast warriors without a family who traditionally pledge loyalty to a group of Hakima. Now, these are not strictly mercenaries, but I suppose in a loose way you could think of them in that vein, although that's not really fair to say. Astutanir are the archetype that perform inspiring religious ceremonies for the freeborn, and more importantly, may I add, organise the parties that follow. So a fun priest or guide, if you will. A Hakima, as mentioned before are highly organized groups of magic users whose loyalty is to the nation and not their family. They are taken to be wise. A Corsair are uh, the freeborn traders and privateers who deal with and raid barbarian shipping in the Bay of Catazar. Pirates might be a simplistic term, but the right idea. And then finally, Scriveners are freeborn contract writers who help traders frame the terms of their deals and decorate them with artwork and calligraphy. Now, it's important to note that within the Brass Coast, contracts are extremely important. So the Scrivener of, uh, of any family, which is the, I guess, the, the group unit within the Brass Coast, these Scriveners are extremely important people and should be treated with respect. Because if you go back to them, having slighted them earlier on a Friday night when you were drunk, they might give you unfavourable terms in the contract you desperately need to borrow some money. Next up, Dawn. Now Dawn. Groups in Dawn are called Noble Houses, and their leader is an Earl. They lead the house in all of its great achievements, and they also set the conditions of membership. A Knight Errant 
are knights that are not full-blooded yet. That, uh, yeah, let's, let's call them unblooded. They are engaged in their test of metal. Still technically yo-folk, they are expected and are questing to prove themselves glorious. A questing knight, as you might guess, are those knights who have proved themselves worthy in their test of metal and have chosen to keep on questing for ever greater glory. A troubadour is a priest who learns all the stories of their noble house, past and present, and tells them in poetry and song to inspire their people to greatness. So a mixture between a standard expectation of a priest and also a bard. A witch is a Dornish magic user. In noble houses, they fight alongside the house's warriors, and most others belong to uh, weaver cabals, independent groups of ritual witches. Ritual witches. Quite the uh, tongue twister. Which accept both yo-folk and noble members. So a group outside the usual household structure, you could say. A geyser is an entertainer who often combines magic with their performances and practice dramaturgy. They are often, and sometimes justly, accused of being spies, tricksters and mountebanks, as well as performers. And whilst they might perform in the same way as a troubadour, they're not there for the religious significance. An enchanter is a uh, is, is a spe let's call it a special type of Earl. Uh, some Earls who have studied magic choose the title Earl Enchanter or simply Enchanter. Most learn ritual magic to benefit their people and some build relationships with powerful Summer Eternals. A Seneschal is a trusted yo-folk who oversees the financial affairs of a noble house, arranging deals and trades to keep the house solvent. Despite all the shining armour and heavy plate, Dornish knights are typically extremely broke, and as you will find when playing cards with them. However, it is the Seneschal who is the uh, the financial mastermind, keeping them out of, well, absolute poverty. An advocate are are a type of yo folk who are essentially the politicians. Uh, they navigate the murky waters of Senate politics for their noble masters. And finally, a retainer is a yo-folk who is a Dornish noble's most trusted attendant, who works closely with a particular noble, or sometimes the whole house. Highguard. Now, Highguard as a unit group are called chapters. The Exarch is a leader of said chapter, and they are determined by the chapter's creed or by embodying its principles. Guardians uh, form the core of the highborn military. They're your standard is the wrong word, but they are your most common troopers, your soldiers within Highguard. And they take on a range of roles in defense of their chapters and in prosecuting vigilant warfare. The Unconquered, if as a humble Navari I was to pick a favorite archetype within Highguard, it would be this lot. The Unconquered are Highguard's elite guerrilla troops. They are prone to using ruthless tactics and even operating behind enemy lines to destroy the enemy's capacity to make war. 
a cataphract. Cataphracts are highborns, uh, uh, highborns elite heavy warriors, who once rode horses into battle, but who uh, in modern times represent a resolute and unbreakable wall of steel. A wayfarer is a highborn priest with a long-standing tradition of teaching the truth of the way to the ignorant and seeking out exemplars and paragons born in other lands. An inquisitor is a zealous defender of the way from those you know, defending the, defending it from those who would threaten it whether mortal or supernatural. A steward of the dead is a person who dedicates their lives to preserving the legacies of the worthy. This includes the interring of remains as well as the preservation of legacies and tales. Magisters are the master magicians of Highgard, often with an affinity for winter magic. They shape magic using movement, sound, and the chime of bells. Benefactors are the more affluent highborn merchants and tradesfolk who do not pursue wealth for its own sake, but who sponsor individuals, great works, and endeavours. Archivists are a unique class of highborn scholar dedicated to preserving the essence or truth of history over and above accounts and evidence that may seek to undermine that truth. Bias is uh, perhaps something that they combat. Finally, a more recent addition to the archetypes within Highgard is the Grey Pilgrim. Grey Pilgrims are a recent phenomenon. They walk the trods of Navarre, and perhaps when earlier I commented on my favourite archetype, I should have picked a Grey Pilgrim. But you can't really hate a Navari for enjoying the ruthless company of an unconquered. But anyway, I digress. These grey pilgrims walk the trots in a crusade to free the souls believed to be trapped between life and death by the Valorn. But they also oppose heresy, adultery, and convert foreigners to the way on their travels. They seek to guide the other human nations of the Empire toward enlightenment. Next up, the Imperial Orcs. Now, the Imperial Orcs are a little different in terms of their uh, their chapters, their families, their houses. Uh, Imperial Orcs will belong to a legion. I believe there are two, the first and second legion. And these quite militaristic uh, Family is not the right word, but I suppose militaristic institutions are where they draw a lot of their identity from. Now each of these legions are able to choose their own commanders, and these commanders are called warlords. So these warlords are individuals chosen for their ability to provide clear and effective leadership in battle, according to the traditions of the individual legion. A pit fighter is a professional fighter of the pits clues in the name right in which the orcs honed their combat skills trading on the reputation for skill and strength they have built up in previous fights pit fighters build their careers until their notoriety means that other orcs begin to seek them out and actively challenge them a shaman 
is, uh, is, is different to other orcs because most orcs only experience communion with the ancestors when battle is upon them. But a few individuals, these shamans, are able to hear the voices more frequently. They are almost incessantly surrounded by the constant input of ancestral advice, much of it bearing a contradictory or even hostile message. A preacher is uh, an imperial orc priest, if you will, who've, uh, who've embraced the way and spread its teachings. A warcaster is an archetype that takes after the highly physical traditions of the Wintermark runesmiths, and it's appealed to some orcs who adopt a similar approach and become warcasters. An oathrite is an orc that believes that the bond between an item and a person affects them both. Items may gain worth by being owned and bonded to the right person, and the right item affects an individual's hopes of becoming an ancestor. A bone setter is usually a, a trained apothecary, a, a physic, or, or even both. Bone setters are expected to attend to the physical needs of the Legion, but their remit runs well beyond this. A thief taker is an orc that works closely with imperial magistrates. Thief takers earn their income by collecting bounties on criminals who have fled the law and more rarely by taking payments from private individuals looking to identify the perpetrators of crimes. A uh, detective, you could say. And finally, a reaver, the standard soldiers of the Legion who have become dedicated to raiding and mercenary work. Moving on to the League. Leagues, well, the League citizens are all grouped into guilds. Each guild will have a merchant prince who is the, uh, the leader of the guild and the tight-knit mercantile organisers who define the shape of League society. A Bravo. Uh, Bravo is, a, well, as I mentioned at the start, probably the most famous League archetype. Uh, they are members of the mercenary free companies as rough and rowdy off the battlefield as they are disciplined and professional on it. They are immensely proud of their mercenary companies. A bishop of the League are its high priests, those who provide virtuous guidance to any who can afford it and who compete using the size and influence of their congregations. A troop magician is a... Uh, essentially a member of a band of actors who often go masked while performing and when performing ritual magic. To them, magic is a commodity like any other. A mountebank is a street magician whose tricks may be sleight of hand or genuine magic, many of whom skirt the edges of the law by playing short cons and rigging street games. And then finally, a kikabeo is an expensive professional paramour and the only exception to the League's culture of absolute prohibition of extramarital relations. The marches. Oh, I've got to say. Talk to any Navari and they'll be pretty fond of the marches. Marches also have households led by a steward who is chosen by the members of that household. They can only lead consent or with the consent 
of the other yeoman within it. A beta are a or an archetype that almost forms an informal police force, uh, learning every part of the land, watching for thieves, vagrants, and other ne'er-do-wells. Beaters are often instrumental in settling land disputes between neighbours, and they have a vital role in the tradition of beating the bounds. Most are skilled foresters or hunters. A yeoman is to many the archetypal inhabitant of the marches. They are a hard people who own their own land and are well accustomed to a long day working it. Military service is a proud tradition in the marches and the majority of yeomen are also soldiers. Monks minister to the spiritual welfare of the folk around their monastery, largely ignoring household boundaries. They divide their time between study of the imperial faith and working the farmlands claimed by the monastery. Friars work their own land and provide spiritual advice and counsel to their fellow yeomen, but within their own household, subtly but importantly different to a monk. Many also serve as scholars for their community, acting as a, a cherigan and teaching letters and history to young children. A landskeeper is a figure from the march's magical tradition, who supports the territories of the nation, or just as, or well, or just the marchers as, as a whole. Landskeepers can use a variety of methods, from hearth magics and good practical advice, and both of which can be applied to rituals. A mummer is a type of entertainer who combines theatrical performance with magic using the techniques of dramaturgy. They attend fairs, markets and other regular gatherings, performing plays and feats of skill, but are often greeted with a suspicion and sometimes unfairly accused of being tricksters and mountebanks. Finally, an alderman is the appointed leader of a market town and the rough equivalent of the yeoman. In most cases these are wealthy merchants but they often include prominent town folk such as a friar or a blacksmith who lives within the village. A note that an alderman is responsible for a market town whilst a steward would lead a marcher household. Subtle but again an important difference. Next up we have Navarre. Ah. Of course I'm biased, but clearly the best nation in the empire. A brand is an Avari who has dedicated themselves to the service of the community. Brands work tirelessly to aid others without fee. It might be from any profession, a thorn, a vate, a blacksmith, a tanner, it doesn't matter. They are named for the brand burned onto their skin of the left cheekbone. A thorn is a Navari sworn to service in battle, usually but not necessarily a warrior. Always tattooed, they often wear war paint into battle. A guide is a Navari who follows the path of the virtues and takes it upon themselves to ensure that members of the empire have found the place in society that they are best suited to. A broker 
myself, is an avari who serves as an intermediary between a buyer and a seller, usually claiming some sort of payment from the deal. And finally, a vate, the magical practitioners of Navarre, often called upon to perform rituals in service to the nation and the empire. They are the Navari most trusted to meet with Eternals or their heralds. Varushka, a land of cold and monsters. Quite an adventure if you've got the stomach for it. The Varushkans form communities and each of these communities is led by a boyar. They are the hard heart of the Varushkan community whose first duty is as a strong protector of their people. Second to that, they arbitrate and govern their veil in council with their wise ones. A warden is uh, often belongs to a brotherhood of wardens and they are heroic warriors who employ magical protection along with their armor and weapons to hunt down the terrors of the Varushkan wilderness and to uphold imperial law. Schlachter are Varushka's well-organized bands of soldiery who provide defense to a place or an employer. Wise ones are the true hearts of Varushkan communities. They are the thinkers who deal with problems which cannot be dealt with by strength and who look through the appearance of things to discover the threats lurking beneath. Volhov is a Varushkin who studies magic, particularly warding magic, so necessary to a Varushka's safety, and also divination. They uncover threats before they grow too great to deal with. They often find it necessary to deal with Eternals, and sometimes, as is maybe whispered rather than spoken, to pacify Varushka's deadly sovereigns with rituals or bargains. Kabbalists belong to a cabal, and cabals are teams of ritual magic users who often act as individual groups, independent of their veils. Each cabal is different from each other, but their magical might grants them considerable influence. Storytellers are the Varushkan nation's ragged priests, often found... You'll often find the entire community gathered around them to hear news, entertaining tales, and spiritual messages told well. And then finally, the Stenza, the inheritors of a tradition of night centuries. Stenza are bands of musicians who perform at local events. Moving on to Wintermark, the land of three people and one shape, the Circle. If anybody asks you why uh, why some of the other nations might laugh at Wintermark for that, then uh, simply ask them about the Battle of 382, the uh, defense of Donut. And I'm sure many, many citizens would take glee in telling you that story. Wintermark is made up of different halls. That's how they group their citizens together, and each hall will have a thane. The Thane is your leader of a hall, and they settle disputes that lie outside the law and provide civic and military leadership. A banner bearer is, unsurprisingly, often the carrier or the bearer 
of the Warband's banner, and it's their purpose to raise the morale and fighting spirit of their companions. The Stormcrows are the ragged priests of Wintermark who act as guides, witnesses and confessors, who provide spiritual and moral inspiration and guidance for the Winterfolk. A runesmith is a type of artisan who specialises in the magic of the old runes of Wintermark, who create engraved weapons and armour, or scribe warding marks to protect people or places. An ice walk an ice walker is the cunning mage of the Suak people, who use their magical skills and their knowledge of ice as part of their hunting tradition. A mediator is a Wintermark merchant who specialises in negotiating ware guild between aggrieved parties. And for those of you who have not heard of a ware guild, it's essentially a um, repayment of a debt when a, a, a slight has been levelled against one hall from another. For example, a uh, pair of Wintermark Steiner get into a bar fight and one kills the other. Now, rather than sentencing that other Steiner to death, perhaps there might be a ware guild agreed where a payment can satisfy the, the slight towards each hall. Now, I am not from Wintermark, so if, again, any of you citizens listening wants to have a word with me about my idea of the uh, Wintermark interpretation of their law and custom, feel free to find me and correct me. Speaking of people who aggravate Wintermark, maggots. A maggot is a scavenger, a looter on the battlefield. Maggots are seen as scum by most Winterfolk. A mystic is a deeply spiritual Calavisi who make predictions about the future and advise their fellows on the wisest course of action. Often a magician, but some can do it with hearth magic and intellect. A scop is the professional entertainers of Wintermark. Scops are known for their mastery of saga and song and their skill with poetry. And should you go to Wintermark late in the evening on a Friday or Saturday night around the large fires in the centre of the Wintermark camp, I'm sure you'll find many of them performing and I do encourage you to stand by and listen for uh, some of their performances can include the audience and the resulting effect of so many voices singing together is quite magical. Finally, we come to the Grimnir, the battlefield doctors and healers of Wintermark. Grimnir swear an oath to stay clear of the front lines and to tend to their fallen comrades. Last but not least, we come to Urizen. Now, before I launch into Urizen, the Urizeni have had a, let's call it a cultural shift maybe even a redefinition within the recent years or so, just as their nation has changed due to a variety of factors, uh, not least the sword scholars coming to the fore. Their original, let's say their original archetypes 
are broadly the same. There are a couple new ones, and some of those originals have had some overlap and are now ever so slightly redefined. So first of up, there is any groups are bound together into different spires. And these spires are literal buildings, spires you could say, built into the mountains of Arisen. They are led by an arbiter, their leader. They have a more military cast called sentinels. They'll also have seers, mages, illuminates, architects, questors and torchbearers. But rather than look into those, there is one I actually want to touch on with some with some detail. It's actually the sword scholars. So the sword scholars are warrior priests with a passionate dedication to wisdom and reason. They exhort the virtues and the virtuous. And they try to test what they learn to eschew hearsay to despise folly and chastise the fools that spread it. They oppose the Imperial Synod because they believe that obedience to a higher authority stifles virtue. They challenge anyone who presents claims of revelation, rejecting everything that is not founded in logic and evidence. The first sword scholars fought to oppose highborn revelation, but were ultimately defeated by those Arizeni who had embraced the way. Facing persecution from the Sentinels, their ancient foes and the current military caste of Arisen, the survivors were forced to hide their existence. And during the reign of Empress Elizabetta, our most recent Empress, increased interest in the history of Arisen encouraged some scholars to make contact with those they hoped were sympathetic to their cause. This eventually led to a judgment in the National Assembly, publicly urging the sword scholars to rejoin the nation. Modern sword scholars are heirs to a confrontational tradition that demands for everyone to think for themselves. They believe that no action taken under instruction from another can ever be virtuous and want to disestablish the Imperial Synod so that wisdom can flower in its place. They are zealous agitators, ruthlessly committed to action, and prepared to fight for their beliefs. An interesting archetype to be sure, and maybe that's one I'll leave with you, dear citizen. When you're walking through Anvil, and you see someone dressed in elegant white robes, they might just be your Azeni. There's not many of them. So they do stick out a bit like a sore thumb. My top tip when approaching them is not to shake their hand. The, uh, the Urizeni have a, um, well, they have a thing about personal contact. And it is a great show of closeness for them to bind hands with yours. And they certainly will not appreciate it if you offer it to them. But they are seekers and sharers of knowledge. And I'm sure if you go to them and ask, how do their archetypes work? How have they changed and what does it mean for them, their spire and their nation? And I'm sure they'll be happy to oblige. And with the end of that, well, monologue, dear citizen, we come to the end of all of the archetypes 
within the empire from across all of its nations and encompassing all of its peoples. Should you ever lose your way, first you should find a priest, clearly. But secondly, you should look back upon the different roles within the empire and its nations and think what truly calls to you. Are you a healer? Do you strongly believe in the way and want to spread its word? Are you perhaps a more ruthless mercantile type and suited to being a trader? Or indeed, are you a mighty warrior worthy of leading your nation's heroes and its armies to victory? Should any of those call to you, look to wear this archetypal name with pride, for it is a label that many before you have worn and succeeded in representing, and also a label that many after you will continue to bless. But until next time, citizens, whoever or whatever you may be, rest well.